The Shalene Show is brought to you by the Courageous Confidence Club. Confidence is a strength that can be built and strengthened just like any muscle. You just have to do the right exercises. Your success, your likability, your influence are all determined by your confidence. It's the number one factor in determining your professional success, your happiness in relationships, and your ability to raise self-sufficient children. To feel more confident in social settings, this program is changing lives. I hope you'll check it out. Please visit our website at CourageousConfidenceClub.com. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. I assume that you have already listened to part one. If so, please proceed. If not, you should know that this is a two-part episode and uh, you really do need to listen to part one before you listen to part two because this is a show all about intermittent fasting and flexible dieting. My guest today is an outspoken, sometimes controversial, and opinionated expert on intermittent fasting as a lifestyle. Now, in the first episode, we explained everything you could ever possibly want to know about intermittent fasting, different types of intermittent fasting, how it affects your hormones, um, training, what type of workouts you need to do, how to limit your workouts. We talk about everything. My guest is Dr. Sarah Solomon. She's helped thousands of men and women cut back their exercise, increase their food take, and master their metabolism. She's designed jump starts, and she's a lifestyle diet coach expert. She's authored several top-selling books on intermittent fasting, and she loves research. And that's why she's here. Now, in this episode, we pick up right where we left off in episode number one. And that was where I was asking Sarah, okay, so, okay, how do you get started with this? Do you do it cold turkey or do you gradually ease yourself into it? In this episode, we'll talk about when you're supposed to work out, what to do if intermittent fasting isn't working for you, how to figure out your macros, and how to evaluate the best way to have a diet that works for your lifestyle and your personality. It's some pretty cool stuff. So if you haven't already, please be sure to listen to episode number one. If you have, then just a reminder how important it is to perhaps evaluate that what we've been doing as Americans are quote-unquote normal way of eating, eating every couple of hours, starting off with a big breakfast, making sure that we're, you know, always planning a meal and counting our calories and thinking about our next meal just a couple of hours from now. Maybe, just maybe, that's not working. We're more obese than we've ever been before. We're more obsessed with calories and dieting and exercise than we've ever been in our history. And clearly it's not working. So perhaps we should open up our minds and consider something that isn't the norm, that stretches the limits of what we consider normal, quote unquote, eating, and just have an open mind to the fact that we can look at, if what we're doing isn't working, we can and we should look at other habits when it comes to our our nutrition and our exercise. So without further ado, part two of Dr. Sarah Solomon. So what I would recommend is your first time trying it, remember, don't freak out because most of the fast happens when you're asleep. Mm -hmm. So my advice is stop eating around like eight o'clock at night, go to bed, wake up the next day and try to skip breakfast and just start eating at lunch, maybe 11 if you need to eat at 11. 
Okay, so so maybe start with eight to eleven. But if I only make it till ten, no big deal, right? No big deal. In fact, you know, give yourself a pat on the back because you did something incredible. You didn't eat, you know, for like fourteen hours. Now, what about glucose? The glucose that we need in our brains? Because sometimes when I when I first started doing this. And I don't know how much of this was just my thinking, but I felt like I can't make a decision. I'm so dumb right now. I can't even, don't even ask me a question because I can't think because I'm hungry. And I kept picturing in my mind this brain that was completely depleted of glucose. And that's why I couldn't make a decision. How much truth is there to uh, how it affects decision making? I find that I'm more focused because when I'm fasted, uh, when you fast, your body releases catecholamines, epinephrine and norepinephrine. And that just makes you very focused and alert. It's your fight or flight reaction. That's why when uh, our Paleolithic ancestors were hunting after their food on an empty stomach, they were able to sprint and actually kill the animal and bring the food back to the camp for the women to prepare the food. Then they would have one big meal at night. Does that sound like intermittent fasting and fasted training? Yes. <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk about fasted training. What is fasted training and how do you recommend people approach it? Okay, just to backtrack, because I know people are going to think, oh, they're going to faint if they do the fasting. Um, just so you know, there's a lot of glycogen stored in your liver, and your body will tap into that. And, you know, even if you do a crazy workout, you're really not going to deplete all of your glycogen in your liver. So, and even if you do, your body has other ways to start to, um, you know, replenish the glycogen in your liver. So for example, the lactic acid that's produced during the workout, that is actually a precursor for making glycogen in the liver again. Um, the same is true when, you know, your body says, whoa, there's no, there's no sugar here. What are we going to do? It's going to start breaking down fat for fuel, which is great because then we're going to burn fat. And that breaks apart, as you know, into three fatty acids and a glycerol. The glycerol is um, going to the liver to help make glycogen again in the liver. So that way your body always has an ability to regulate its blood sugar because it can keep breaking down uh, glycogen. So does this process not happen if we are eating every couple of hours? It suppresses your glucose, your endogenous glucose production, which is why people are constantly craving carbs mm. every two hours because mm. you're suppressing it. That makes sense. And you're very smart to, and intuitive to, to figure that out. Um, so if people are like, oh, I'm so hungry every two hours. Yeah, it's because of the way you're eating. You're training yourself to be hungry every two to three hours. But because I don't eat for an extended period of time, my body's like, whoa, she's not eating. Oh, maybe the pancreas should secrete glucagon and tell, you know, the, the rest of the body to start breaking down the glycogen and, and then, you know, glucose is made and it regulates the blood sugar again. So as long as your pancreas works, then you're going to be able to fast. Unless you have a true hypoglycemia disorder or you're a diabetic, like a type 1 diabetic, mm -hmm. then no, you're not going to faint or pass out when you're fasting or doing fasted training. So do you have to, does fasted training... Does that mean that I've got to work out first thing in the morning? And can I get results? Let's say that my window is from uh, noon until seven. And, um, but I like to work out at five. Am I going to get the best results with that? Or should I be working like in the middle of my eating window? Or should, in, in order to get the best results, should you be eating during a fasted period? If you really want to burn fat, and have a wicked workout. Fasted workouts, you're so focused. They're amazing workouts. Uh, if you really want to burn fat, then you should train fasted first thing in the morning. And you should time it, Shalene, so that you have at least two hours between when you finish the workout and when you actually start eating. Ah, and do you know why? Oh, no, I don't. I'm, this is interesting. 
uh, because when you train fasted and when you fast, your body releases growth hormone, and growth hormone is your star fat burning hormone. Yahtzee! It also makes you look younger. It does. So well, fasting is all about anti-aging. I can get into that too. We could talk for hours, seriously, but <laughs> um, when your growth hormone levels go up, I mean, especially after you finish a fasted workout, if you stay fasted, you're going to benefit from the exercise-induced growth hormone surge, and you're going to burn all kinds of fat. But if you immediately start eating after your workout, insulin's going to go up. So it's going to immediately antagonize the growth hormone. So then guess what you're not doing anymore? You're not burning fat anymore. Mm. So the only reason why fasting works is because the insulin levels get low enough that your body can finally go into fat oxidation mode. It can finally start burning fat. Interesting. And so when you're fasted, when the growth hormone is up, you're now in a growth hormone dependent metabolism, meaning you're burning fat. But as soon as you eat, now you're in an, you're in a glucose dependent metabolism. Your insulin's up. And we now know that insulin is going to immediately tell growth hormone, yo, bye-bye. Mm, okay. This is very interesting. Okay. So uh, some other common questions that people really were excited to hear the answer to. One of the common topics that people were really excited to hear you speak about was orthorexia. And I've never heard that term until I heard it from you. Can you explain to us what that is? The orthorexia nervosa. You just, you look that up and that's a picture of me from uh, pre-2012. <laughs> um, like there's not an official clinical diagnosis for it. Okay. Uh, but it's a very disordered eating pattern where your whole life is revolving around your food rules. Mm. To a point where it actually interferes with your quality of life. It interferes with your relationships. Um, if you break a rule, suddenly you self-loathe and you feel like you have to start doing other things to make up for the fact that you've broken a rule. For example, I don't mind telling you all of my, my <laughs> uh, vices from back then. But for example, if I been, was binge eating on something, then what I would do is I'd punish myself by doing an hour of cardio. Mm -hmm. On top of already doing my workout for the day. Oh, you know, I wouldn't be allowed to eat certain foods, so I wouldn't even have them in my house. Mm. I would avoid going out to restaurants or to my family's gatherings because I knew there'd be other food there and I didn't want to be around it for fear that I might eat it. So you can see how this started to have an impact on uh, my social interactions. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I would actually bring a cooler to restaurants with me because I couldn't order food in restaurants with my family and I'd have to bring out my pre-made fish and asparagus. Even if they served fish and asparagus on the menu. No, because there might be butter on it. And that was your thinking. That's exactly how we were trained to think. When we were competing, we wanted to win, right? I, I confess, looking back, I was, mm. I didn't know any better. But that's what's given me such a great story now. Now I have a story to tell because I've been there and done that. And I know that it's completely unnecessary. And the irony, Shaleen, is that I look better today than I did when I was competing because mm. I finally lost the stubborn fat off of my hips, my lower abs. Are you exercising less or more now? I exercise for 20 to 30 minutes a day and it's, 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 it's just, it's so laughable to me. To Do think. you really? Don't, don't lie for reals. Less is more. And this is my philosophy. Other than thinking critically, minimum effective dose to get results. If you learn two things from me today, mm -hmm. critical thinking and minimum effective dose to get results. Okay. So when we apply that, I'm going to write this down. Minimum effective dose. That's so doctorish. Minimum effective dose to get results. So in other words, because here's a question I see a lot of people responding to is, if I do this three to four times a week, will I see results? And I guess the answer based on what you've just said is if it gives you um, effective results, then that might be yeah. the minimum dose you need. 
like my mom and dad only fast four days a week. Uh, you know, some people only do it one or two days a week. I've seen phenomenal results just with people doing it one day a week. Wow, this is great. That's why I call it flexible fasting because it has to be what works for you, your sanity and your schedule. And that will be different at different times in your life. Like I've done different protocols, you know, over the past few years, just because at different times in my life, different protocols were better for me mm -hmm. at those times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're not set in stone. It's not like you always have to do one thing. Are there any studies um, that look at the long-term long effects of intermittent fasting? So you're talking more about the health? Yeah. The health any actually, no, actually, any, any dangers associated? Well, people have been intermittent fasting since um, caveman time. Mm -hmm. So clearly the human species did not go extinct. <laughs> this is true. I guess that's why they refer to it as the caveman diet. Exactly. So... Um, for me, one of the main reasons why I like fasting is because I haven't been sick since 2012. Wow. I used to get three nasty colds a year, and I haven't had any colds. And my dad's asthma went away as well. You said, okay, I want to talk about two other things really quick before I forget. The first of, don't let me forget that we're going to go back to being righteous. And, but before we go there, what type of foods does Sarah get to enjoy now that you, in the past you wouldn't give yourself permission to eat? Like, have your macros changed? And, and I know people are going to want to know, what are your macros? Excellent question. Okay, so if it fits your macros, gets a bad rap because people think it's a Pop-Tart diet. If you've heard of people making reference to that. Yeah. Um, now, my rule with the flexible dieting is that 80% of the food that goes into your mouth needs to have proper micronutrition so that your body can function optimally. It's just like what our mothers told us. You have to eat your fruits and veggies. Mm -hmm. um, and then for the remaining 20% of your daily intake, have fun. So for me, I mean, my vices are popcorn, mm -hmm. licorice, um, anything that my mom bakes. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel zero guilt about it because as I told you before, I look better today than I did back then. The problem is when you demonize food, it's you say, oh, you can't have cookies. This creates a disinhibition effect. So what happens is you end up wanting it more. So when you finally do cave in and eat it, you eat it in surplus. You binge on it. Whereas if you allow yourself a little bit of that treat on a daily basis, then you never feel this need to binge on it. So for example, I like to have a salad with croutons on it. Now back in the day, God forbid, if I had had croutons, all the unicorns would have died. That would have made me want to binge on an entire box of croutons. Mm, I see. So now that I have just croutons on my salad in a normal serving size, I don't feel this overwhelming need to binge on a box of croutons. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I want to read you a couple of comments if I can. Actually, yeah. just commentary. People are, a lot of people saying, um, I just started intermittent fasting. I love it. It's been very challenging sometimes while I'm at work, but I can't believe the results I'm getting. Um, I've been intermittent fasting for a couple of weeks now. I absolutely love it. It is easy and it works amazing with fasted training as long as you're tracking your macros. It's not complicated at all, but it did take some time to get used to. So these are all really, I'm not seeing too many, I'm not really seeing any negatives other than People saying, it's really difficult to wrap my head around this because for all my life, I've heard eat multiple meals, keep track of, um, you know, eat breakfast first, eat every two hours. So it's difficult to wrap my head around that. Plus the fact that we have been so conditioned for so many years to avoid fat. So let's speak to fat. Do, do you, how much fat do you put in your diet? What's the percentage there? And what type of fats do you consider healthy fats? 
I want people to understand that what I teach them and how I approach it, I prioritize protein. Mm -hmm. I have a high protein diet because protein confers satiety. And when you're dieting for fat loss, it helps to preserve muscle. So I eat a lot of lean protein. I eat at least my body weight in protein. So I'm 125 pounds. So I'm going to eat at least 125 grams of protein a day. That seems like a lot. Oh, maybe not. Okay. Not really. It really isn't. Because if if you're eating protein at each meal, it adds up. And I mean, it's really easy to sneak protein in because you can make fun recipes with whey protein. And I don't know about you, but I can easily pack back two Quest bars in a day, no problem. So Heck yeah, uh, that's true. You got a point there. (laughs) So protein can add up quickly. And I always tell people to prioritize eating lean protein and your veggies. And then everything else falls into place. Mm. Um, I believe when you're fasting, you should follow a high carb diet and i'll tell you why what because carbs are the only macronutrient that can boost your leptin levels so you want to boost your leptin levels because when you boost your leptin levels that confers satiety and it boosts your metabolic rate wait a second i'm confused i thought you just said that you preach a um leading with protein but just now you didn't you just say then my next priority is eating carbs okay so first proteins then carbs eating fat got it i probably eat about 25% 25% to 30 to 30% for my fat intake when I'm having a high carb day. Okay. And you have to pick your poison. If you're having a high carb day, you have to have low fats. If you're having, you know, a high fat day, then you need to have low carbs. Mm-hmm. You always keep your protein the same. So the reason why I recommend carbs and especially carbs at night, which it goes against everything we've been taught mm-hmm. is that we know that carbs will boost your leptin, which is your starvation hormone. When you diet, your leptin levels drop down and that's what signals you to binge eat. And that's why when I was dieting for my competition shows, because I was always eating in a daily deficit, my leptin levels had plummeted so low that I was always getting the signal to binge eat because that's the only way I could survive. That's Mm. why it's called the starvation hormone. Right. So the whole concept behind my philosophy is that at least once a week, I make sure there's a carb refeed meaning you eat a lot of carbs on purpose at your maintenance level calories on purpose because the whole idea here is that we're boosting the leptin and we're making sure we're getting that metabolism up and running and we're going to have satiety. The reason why I want carbs at night is, well, first of all, you're only getting one big dose of insulin secretion a day, which is better for health benefits because when you have insulin levels chronically elevated, that is actually what's contributing to disease, chronic inflammation, aging. Which is interesting because that's the exact, you know, opposite of what we thought we were doing by eating all the time. Mm. The very protocol that was preached to us for years to prevent disease is actually causing disease. So by eating your carbs at night, you only have one big insulin secretion, which is better for health reasons. And we know that it's going to boost the leptin. So that means six to eight hours later when you wake up and you're fasted, you're going to have satiety during your fast. Okay, quick question. What form of carbs are you eating? I eat a lot of fruit because I'm a fruitaholic. Mm -hmm. Um, I also like to eat healthy carbs. So I like oats. I also eat a lot of bad carbs because for 20%, that's when I have my 20% discretionary calories is right before bed at night. That's when I eat a big bowl of uh, kids cereal. Really? Are you serious? Think about it. That's what we all like to do. We like to get home from work and we like to pick out on junk. Okay, so then my next quick question is, what are your thoughts on going into a state of ketosis and combining that with intermittent fasting? I'm not a big fan of ketogenic diets. And why, why is that? 
Well, because I told you before, when your carbs, your carb intake is low, you're not going to be boosting the leptin level. So it's going to slowly, over time, make your metabolic rate decline. Mm -hmm. If you want to have a robust metabolism, right. then you need to be ingesting carbohydrates because carbohydrates will keep your metabolism humming along. I was in a ketotic state for all those years I was competing because that's what was preached to me, a ketogenic diet. And... It just makes you not be able to ha handle carbs very well when you reintroduce them and you blow up. Yeah. So I don't recommend following a ketogenic diet on a daily basis. I think it's fine to do it, like I said, calorie and carb cycling. I think that it's fine, you know, every other day to have a low carb day. That's totally fine. But you need to make sure at least one day a week you're having a carb refeed where you purposely eat a ton of carbs. Mm -hmm. Okay. This but you have to have your fats low if you're doing that. What? And then that, that topic I keep forgetting to bring up is being righteous with food. That is my pet peeve. And, and perhaps it's because I, and I've shared with my listeners, I have this really negative connotation with the word diet. Growing up, my... My mom never talked about her weight. She was always very positive about her own body image and everyone else's. She never, ever spoke dispar disparagingly up towards herself or any other women. Never. So I think I have a really strong uh, body image because of that. However, most of the women on both sides of my family were always overweight and always on a diet. And when they were, they would... And I love all my aunts and uncles and cousins, but I think sometimes when people get on diets, they become righteous. And you're like, really? You're the person who's got the weight problem. And now you're going to look down your nose at me because I'm eating this. I think I'm doing okay. But there was always this like righteousness when people are on diets. And it is my pet peeve. Like I hate talking about diets. I hate it. Like when someone starts talking about like their particular diet and oh, you're eating that. I just want to like, punch them or leave the room because it feels so righteous to me. And that's why I love when people have adopted a diet and they recognize it works for me. I'm not saying this is how everyone's supposed to eat. So speak to us about how you feel in terms of being like righteous today and how you you're thinking back when you were, you know, in that stage of orthorexia. If you had met me prior to 2012 when I had orthorexia nervosa, you would have punched me. <laughs> <laughs> you probably would have punched me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, everything that you said, I'm embarrassed to say that that was me back then. And, you know, I'm aware of that now. So um, that's why I really believe in a flexible approach to this paradigm. I don't ever want to preach. This is the only way you can do it or get lost. I think there's more than one way to approach anything in life. And I think everything always has pros and cons. You'll always find studies for and against anything. And really, at the end of the day, the only diet that's going to work for you is the one to which you can adhere long term yeah and that can yeah. evolve over time right it's not necessarily going to be the same thing thank you thank you yeah so true i my husband and i were on a, a double date with a couple and they dropped off bread at the table now no one even reached for it but the husband said to the wife honey we'll have bread on thursday I'm like, oh, you, you got to be kidding. This is the new we wear pink on Wednesday. Like, what? We've decided there's a day of a week we can have bread and you're going to announce it? Oh, God, I would have punched him in the head, but I didn't. I want to read you this comment from one of my Facebook fans. And we are going so long, but I don't care because I'm super duper still curious. So I know everyone who's listening still is. You can put us on pause and finish it later if you want. Um, Angel Dort says, I am one of those people who obsesses about food. 
what to eat all day long. And when I hear the word diet, I seem to want to eat everything, even if it's not delicious. Something in my brain switches and it says, what? I can't have that? Well, then I want to eat that and that and that and I want to eat all of it. When I give up on a diet, then my brain calms down and I don't eat the entire house. So what is her eating style? So this is exactly what I told you about with the disinhibition effect. Once you follow a meal plan or a diet, and it's actually telling you to demonize all food that's not on the diet or the meal plan, that's when you are pretty much destined to fail. Mm. And that's why I love my fasting lifestyle and the flexible dieting because it's not a diet. Mm, yeah. It's, it's, it's just it's tells you when you eat and when you don't eat. And it doesn't tell you that you can't eat carbs or you can't eat this food or that food. Like if I actually divulge the truth as to what I actually eat, you'd all be shocked that I look the way that I do. Well, I'm glad you say that. the junk that I eat. I'm glad you said that because your body is rocking and amazing. And I think a lot of people feel like um, they have to work out longer and harder in order to and eat less in order to get the results that they want. And I know that when I was at my highest percentage of body fat, I was working out probably three times a day. And I had brought my calories down to something close to what you were eating because I was like, wait, I'm gaining weight and I'm gaining body fat. So this just must be an an, an equation here. So I'm just going to work out more. I'm going to eat less. And what was going on was number one, my body was under attack and I was under a great deal of stress. I was filming um, and conducting test groups for another infomercial. And so it wasn't, I wasn't working out three hours a day to, uh, because I was trying to get in better shape. I was doing that kind of because I felt like I had to be a part of those groups with those people and to bond with them. So I was over exercising. And because at the same time I was gaining weight and body fat. I was like, well, I guess I just, I can't work out more. So I guess I better cut back. And the the stress that put my body under and, and to think that so many people are in that state right now where, and it's got to be depressing. And I just want them to know that if you just, first of all, say, I am lovable and I am freaking awesome, no matter what my body looks like, no matter what my body percentage is, body fat percentage. And you just start taking care of yourself and worrying less about it and start reinvesting in self-care and your relationships. It is crazy how everything falls back into place. I absolutely agree with that. And I mean, the problem with this whole, actually, I went through it and there's a, they have a term that they call it, they call it metabolic damage. And I'm one of these metabolic damage survivors because I learned how to reverse diet myself out of my dieting mistake. And it is possible to recover. You can slowly add back your calories and slowly taper back your exercise duration until you finally get to a normal baseline level, again, without gaining a ton of weight in the process. The mistake that the competitors make when they have obviously slowed down their metabolism so much with under eating and overtraining is that they immediately return to baseline training and calories, but Mm. you can't do that because you'll blow up. Mm. So you have to reverse diet and reverse train. What does that mean? What does reverse dieting mean? Reverse dieting is actually more painful than dieting, in my opinion, because what you have to do is slowly increase your calories, increase your carbs very slowly, week by week, until you get back to your baseline amount of calories and carbs that you were eating before you started dieting. Okay. Okay. So let me just uh, give you a hypothetical. So I've just finished, um, I've just, let's pretend that we're not talking about someone who's 
doing a competition, but they're following a very particular diet plan. Maybe it's even a diet plan designed by somebody who's a a competitor. So it's it's um, a certain regimen of training, a certain very restricted regimen of eating, small portions, small macros, and they, you know, lose a ton of weight and they're really excited about their results, but they know they can't maintain this lifestyle. So what you're saying is now you've, you've hit your goal weight or whatever, your diet is done. It's, it's day 32, it's day 21, whatever you, what you're saying is rather than returning to regular life, you kind of go back in a reverse, slow, steady. Okay. And, and over how, what period of time? It took me probably about two to three months to reverse diet myself out of my situation. Okay. Um, and it's discouraging. The whole entire process is discouraging, but you have to have the faith. But the good thing about reverse dieting is that you know you're going in the right direction because instead of doing 60 minutes of cardio a day, you know, then you taper it back to 45 minutes and then the following week you're doing 35 minutes and then eventually you're doing what I do, which is now you just do a 20 to 30 minute hit workout that mm-hmm. encompasses your strength training and your cardio training in one convenient time-saving session. Mm. I, you had told me I could look this good exercising 20 to 30 minutes a day and eating cereal. I said, <laughs> you are crazy, crazy. <laughs> and croutons. You're making me laugh right now. Well, I think that's I think that's going to be inspirational. I the, the message here is there isn't one size fits all. Live your life. Enjoy yourself. Figure out what works for you. Factor in your own personality and and the way that we eat and the way that we view food has so much to do with our childhood and our experiences with food, our experiences with the word diet, our own experiences when it comes to self-love and our body images and the way people have accepted us. So there's so many variables. That is why it is it's just not responsible to claim that there's only one way to do things. Thank you for saying that, Mazel Tov. I, <laughs> I really appreciate that you've said that because it's, again, what you're saying, that righteous notion that it has to be this way or take a hike. Mm-hmm. And I really like that this is really about making this a diet for anybody. In fact, I don't even want to call it a diet. Well, it, it, it's a, li- a diet lifestyle. It's a way of eating. And that, I guess, is we can define as being a diet, not being on a diet. So tell me, if I want to know everything there is to know, you've written the book. I actually have it printed out here on my desktop because Brett was saying, I want to ask her about this, this, and this. I'm like, well, why don't you read this? Look at this book. So um, tell us about what you, where people can learn more about you and the programs you offer. You can go to drsarahsolomon.com. And I recommend you start off by signing up for my my free intermittent fasting tutorials directly to your inbox. Is that video or is that um, written? What form does that come in? It's written, but I'm also working on a video one. You'll see it right on my homepage. Every Friday, I post a Fast Friday FAQ. You'll see it all over my social media too. But that's a written format with the tutorials. There's about 20 written tutorials and they're comprehensive like when I write I'm I'm a nerd and it's very comprehensive it's always evidence-based I give you the links to the research that I found um, uh, that's at startfastingtoday.com because I learned from Shalene mm-hmm. that you make a domain name for each uh, different <laughs> freemium that you create so that's easy for people to remember it's startfastingtoday.com.com okay and then you know if someone's like listen I you know I just I want to buy the book 
what is the Mac Daddy book, the one that tells you everything you could possibly need to know so you can evaluate all the different types of protocols? Because that's what I love is you lay them all out. And I love that you go through your own experience in the book and you're like, okay, I did this. This did not work for me. Maybe it'll work for you. Here's another form. And you kind of help people identify which intermittent fasting protocol is going to be best based on their personality, their lifestyle, their their um, work schedule, etc. If you want to just get right down to brass tacks with the protocols and learning how to do the macros and calories, then I would recommend Fat Loss Fast 1. And that's the kickstart practical guide that will teach you four different protocols and it will teach you flexible dieting. But if you want to learn Mm. the theory, like, for example, the health benefits of fasting, or you want to be able to get information on, you know, what are the myths surrounding fat loss? And can we start debunking all the myths circulating around fasting? Then you're definitely going to like the Fat Loss Fast 2. That's a huge book. It's like almost 400 pages. It took me two years to write that. And it um, is the theory book. So everything you could possibly want to know about intermittent fasting is in there. That's for me. See, that's for me because I, I don't like rules. I, I need to know why. Why why is this something I should consider? Like I shared with my audience many times, I had heard for many years when I was a Diet Coke junkie that, you know, it's not good for you. It's chemicals. And I was like, you know, maybe, but I'll be fine. And I would drink gallons of Diet Coke. This is like in the 90s. I was a personal trainer and I would go drive from one client to the next client with this big giant big gulp filled with Diet Coke because I'm like, it's zero calories. And it wasn't until I started really looking at the research myself that I was motivated to make that change and to drop it. But just hearing other people saying that's not good for you, it wasn't enough. I'm the kind of person I want to see the science. And that's a very motivating way for me to change. I agree. For me, I didn't really want to even announced that I was doing this until I had done my homework. And I think Mm. that it's important that when you are teaching a concept to people that you actually present both sides of a story. I think you should always play devil's Mm -hmm. advocate. So that way they can make the best choice for them given their unique situation. Um, Have people told you that you remind them of um, Whitney Cummings? No. I don't even know who that is. Who is that? (laughs) People are not going to pick up on it from this interview, but you want to become a fan of Sarah's YouTube videos and go to her website because you are a full-blown comedian. Like, And she's a great comedian. You kind of look alike and you just remind me of each other. But um, I think that's the one piece people probably won't understand until they go and spend some time on video with you. If you want to be... And it's how I found you. Recently, I had someone call in to my Build Your Tribe podcast and ask, Shaleen, what makes you take notice of a YouTube channel and subscribe and visit often? And I said, one word, comedy. Like if you can make me laugh and entertain me and educate me at the same time, I'm your girl. Like I'm I'm there. If it's not funny, I, there's somebody else who can share the same thing with me and also make me laugh. And Sarah, you are so funny and your mom is so funny. And that's what I love about your videos. So everyone, I encourage you to go check out our YouTube videos. And Sarah, thank you so much for putting up with my 5011 questions. And if you want to know more, check her out. Thank you, Shaleen. I am so excited to talk about this. I know this is going to help a lot of people. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hmm, pretty interesting. Listen, I just want to say as a disclaimer again, I'm, I'm going to bring you experts. I'm going to bring you people who do the research, 
who walk the walk, who have been able to maintain their lifestyle for years and who've helped hundreds, if not thousands of other people. I do so not to put you on a diet. I hate diets. I don't want you to go on a diet. I do so because I want to expose you to the vast array of different ways you can eat and live and and not have to go on a diet and not have to be consumed with how you're eating and when you're eating and and what you're eating and your body image and exercise and all those things. I want you to just be able to live life and not have to think about it so much. So I, I just want to say that I'm not putting my stamp of approval on any expert I have on the show. I myself have been experimenting with what's what's going to work best for me. Full disclaimer, I, when I had Melissa McAllister on my show, she was one of the very first guests of The Shalene Show. That was one of the first times I'd ever even heard about intermittent fasting. And when I did, I thought, well, I think some form of this could work for me. And it does. It's, it's nothing close to what Dr. Sarah Solomon does. But it's my own version of it, and I stick to it probably, I don't know, five, six days a week. Um, I'm just, I just really think it's best to live life. I don't get freaked out if I missed a workout. I don't freak out if I eat something that's quote unquote considered unhealthy. It's like, I, I just, I want to live my life. I want you to live your life. I hope that you enjoy these episodes. It seems to me you do. They tend to be our most popular episodes. And I think that's because so many of us are looking for balance. And it would be so awesome to have like one less thing to worry about and something that makes you feel empowered and good about yourself and healthy. And that's just the bottom line. I want you to feel healthy and beautiful and love your body and love everything that's on your plate and be excited to wake up each day and to feel powerful and strong and to, to take care of yourself. And most of all, I want you to have the energy you need to exercise because I, I really do. I love exercising. I love the way it makes me feel. I love how productive it makes me, how energized, passionate, patient, all of those things. So, you know, I'm just going to put it out there that I want you to evaluate these things for yourself because I love you. I really do. I mean that. So thank you so much for leaving me your messages on SpeakPipe. And as always, thank you for sharing this show with your friends. And oh my gosh, thank you for the reviews you leave on iTunes. Every time you write me a review on iTunes, I love you because it helps the show rank. And that's how we reach more people. And that's how we help the world. You are the bomb.com. <laughs>